0: Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons, and we're so glad to have you with us here today in the House of Faith. Just at the end of 2018, in a time of prayer and just meditating before the Lord, the Lord spoke something to my heart. He said, heaven is real, and you're not talking enough about it. Let me say it again. Heaven is real, and you're not talking enough about it. In just a moment, I wanna take you into a service that was recorded live at Eagle Mountain International Church at the Kenneth Copeland ministries ministers conference. And this was the assignment the Lord gave me in my time in that service, it was to talk about heaven and the reality of heaven and how that you and I can live with such an expectation of heaven and what's to come then that it actually begins to affect the way we live life right here and right now. So I wanna take you right now into this message we're calling the hope of heaven. Watch this and be blessed. Colossians chapter 1, you know, anytime the word's being preached, healing is available. And uh, what came up strong in me over the last day or two was your healing. And, you know, if we made opportunity for somebody to be healed, healed of something physically, there'd probably be a number of people that would come. If uh, we gave opportunity for somebody to be healed in the area of finances or material or natural needs, I know there would be a number of us. But the needs of man are threefold, spirit, soul, and body. And anytime there's a need, there is the possibility or the propensity for either poverty or prosperity. It can go either way. And there is a need for the soul to be made well, for the soul to be strong and for the soul to be healed and for the soul to be rich. Beloved, I pray that in all things you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers and you could add and is in health that's the healing I'm praying over for you today. The reason I know you need it is because you work with people. I don't need a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. I know you work with people. And uh, if it weren't for people, some of you would be great Christians. But consider him. Who endured such hostility from people, from sinners? Lest you become weary and discouraged and faint in your your soul. It's one thing to be tired physically. You can help that. Take a nap. It's another thing entirely to be worn out in your soul. And the answer to it is put your eyes on Jesus. Consider him. And you could read that verse and think, okay, consider him who endured such hostility. You know, the cross. Well, you know what? You're right, Jesus. What I'm going through is nothing compared to what you went through, so so I'll be okay. It's almost like you hear Jesus telling you to suck it up. That doesn't really sound like him to me. I don't think you're supposed to read that like this. If he did that, you can do this. That's not the way you and I are intended to read it. Read it like this. Because he did that, you can do this. Because he endured, you can endure. Amen. So would you let the word go to work in your soul today? Bring some healing to you. Colossians chapter 1. I want to begin in verse 3. It says, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Verse four, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints. Paul says, I've been praying for you. Word got back to Paul concerning the reputation of this church and what was going on in this church and what was happening in the church caused this Spirit-led, Spirit-inspired prayer to come out. And what was the reputation of the church? What was the word that traveled back to Paul? And when I say word traveled back, you understand I literally mean word traveled back. Word had to get on a boat. Word, Word didn't just come via... a a phone call or a, a message of any other kind. Somebody went there, experienced it and brought that experience back to Paul. And Paul said, tell me about the church. What's going on there? And you know what they said? Two things, faith and love. Ever since we heard about your faith in Jesus and your love for each other. I mean, what better reputation is there? What's your church known for? What do you want your church known for? Something besides this? Hmm? Some success of some program you've been able to implement? What do you want your reputation to be? We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard about your outstanding marketing programs and your ability to minister to millennials and those of an up and coming generation. Way to adapt. (laughs) You have to be careful what your motivation is in the decisions you're making concerning your church and what you're trying to communicate. These people had two things and these two things were so big and so loud enough that they got back to wherever in the world Paul was and they said to him, Paul, you have got to see these people's faith. These people, they heard the word And they went for it. They believed it. They took it. It hit them in the heart and they said, that's it. That's truth. That's what we wanted to hear. And they put faith in Jesus. And and Paul said, that's outstanding. What else is going on? He said, you should see the way they love each other. You should see the way these people just function as a family and the love. There's not a need in the place because of how much they love each other. Faith in Jesus, love for each other. Say it with me faith in Jesus and love for each other. That's church. So you, you might ask, okay, well, what got these people to that condition? You need to be asking that. You ought to be wanting to find that out. How did these people get into that shape? Were their faith, it was like Paul wrote to the, the church in Romans and he said, Your faith is heard of around the world, it's famous faith. How'd these people arrive at that place? Well, you know, if faith is present, then they must have heard the word. The only way faith comes, right? So you could assume that they'd been taught faith, living and walking by faith. That probably wouldn't be wrong. How'd they come to such a high level of love? You want that kind of love in your church where it gets written about and recorded for thousands of years and all of Mankind get to read about the love that's in your church. How do you arrive at that? Well, perhaps there was some teaching on this kind of love. But the answer is in verse 5, and it caught my attention and caught me off guard, really. And I want to see what you think about it. Read down into it again, beginning in verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints, Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Listen to this out of the New Living Translation. It says, we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which came from... So here's where the faith and the love came from. Your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. And you've had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. Was there some word teaching on faith? Sure, perhaps. Was there some word teaching on living and walking by love? Yeah. But what Paul identified was the source, if you will, for this exceeding faith and this abounding love, you want to know what it was? Heaven. An awareness and a confident expectation of heaven. I don't know why I haven't been quick to connect these dots before, but when these people first heard the gospel, the good news preached to them, Heaven was a part of that message and it so got in them and the expectation of heaven's reality and the fact that they were already on their way began to affect the way they lived here and it produced a faith in Jesus. It produced a love for each other. Heaven. This is the way the Lord said it to me just in the last few weeks. And I'll just give it to you like this. And if, it's, if it doesn't fit for anybody but me, that's fine. But maybe it'll work for you too. He said, heaven is real and you're not talking enough about it. Heaven is real and you're not talking enough about it. Why wouldn't we talk about it? I, I know there's a couple of reasons. I think I've stayed away from it. One, I've never been there. some of you maybe have. I just haven't. I've I've never been there. So I guess that's one reason for not talking about it. I don't feel like that excuse is going to fly though. But Lord, I've never, this is my first time here, you know. I've never been here before. No, you're not talking enough about it. But I think there's another reason that somehow got in me. And I don't know if it was when I was a kid or a teenager or something. And I have this memory and it's one of those memories. I don't know if it actually happened or where it came from, but I think it, something occurred. It must have along the time. I'm growing up. I must have attended a funeral or I must have been around somebody talking about somebody else who had just passed away. And in then in my mind, I have this memory almost as though it happened. And I, I don't, Know that it actually did, but in my mind, I, I'm I see myself as a little kid sitting in a church service where there's a homegoing service that are happening, a funeral service, and there's a casket at the front with that lifeless body in it, and somebody standing over a pulpit, sort of looming over that box and talking to the crowd about the person that's not there. And I just hear them saying, you know. She'd just been talking so much about heaven. Isn't that funny? Just talked about heaven all the time. I think mama just had heaven on. You know what I think? I think she missed her mother. And she missed her daddy. And she just talked about heaven and talked about it and talked about it. And that old hip too, I think she's done dealing with that. But she just talked about heaven so much that I think she just went on and went ahead and went there which if you're, I don't know, eight, ten years old sitting in a service like this, what, what do you hear? (laughs) Don't talk about heaven. (laughs) Whatever you do, don't talk heaven. Why? You will go there (laughs) now. So don't talk about it. Anybody else? Please help me. No. Okay, thanks. Don't talk about it. Because if you're talking about it, you're thinking about it, and man, it's, it's, it's going to send you there. Don't talk about it. And I didn't realize until within the last year or so that that immature thought really hung around our little boy, Justice, this has been maybe a year, something like that. We put him in bed at night, and he starts talking about heaven and asking questions about heaven. Daddy, are you going to be there? Mommy, are you going to be there? Will Nene and Papa be there? This is Nene and Papa right here. Will Nani and Poppy be there? This is Nani and Poppy right there. Will they be there? What's it gonna be like? And you remember this? And I've just had this thing like, buddy, yes, we will and they will. But can we talk about something else? Because, because, right? If you talk about it, you will go there. And inevitably, and this I'm gonna be honest with you, it was like out of this fearful place where I would say, you know what? Yes, that we'll go there, they'll be there, but you know what, you're gonna live a long, long life on this earth in Jesus' name, and you will not go early. Can you see where this confession's coming from? Heaven's real. And the Lord said, Jeremy, you're not talking enough about it. Here's here's the deal. Talking about heaven is not gonna send you there. Sooner than is right. You understand that? But there's two ways of thinking and talking about heaven. One, I would say the vast majority of the world, in church, out of church, when they think about heaven, they think we're going there. But there's another way to think about it. It's coming here. It's coming here. And the more you talk about it, it will not hasten you to go there. But just like any other faith declaration, it will reach out and grab a hold of what's in your future and bring it to you. Talking about heaven won't send you there sooner, but it will bring it here in a hurry and in greater manifestations, in greater degrees. Heaven's real and we're not talking enough about it. Evidently, it'll affect faith in Jesus. Evidently, it will affect our love for each other. What we need to understand is that heaven is as much, if not more so, the plan of God for your life than anything you do here. I mean, just think about it in terms of time spent. Even if you back off somehow and are able to see your whole life on this earth and the timeline of it, and you're able to see that you spent this much, the majority of your life, and if you were seeking God and serving God and you spent this much time doing it, and you could point at that chunk of time at the end of your life and say, that was the plan of God for my life. I spent this much time doing this thing. That was God's plan for my life. Well, What about what you do for a thousand years? What about what you do for 10,000 years? How's that compared to the 30 or 40 you spend doing something here? I don't mean your whole life's that long. I mean, how much time you spend doing the thing God called you to do here. Heaven is the plan of God for our lives. Several years ago, I stood right on that platform behind that pulpit for a funeral service for a girl. Couldn't have been more than early 20s. She was a young girl in our youth group that Sarah and I youth pastored here at the church and uh, several years out of youth group. One day she's not too far from here and got hit in an intersection. Lost her life. And her mom and dad asked if we would minister in the service because she was a waitress a food server at a local restaurant and they had invited the entire wait staff all her friends all about her age to come be a part of her home going service so it's easy when you're talking about these things to a room full of people who are saying yes amen it's a different thing entirely when you're looking at people who number one are hurting Number two, many of which don't believe there is a God and the rest who do are kind of mad at him right now because they think he had something to do with this. So I'm seeking the Lord and saying, what do you say to them and to these people? He said, number one, tell them I didn't do it. Tell them I didn't do it. And you tell them this, you tell them, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for them. And my thoughts and my plans for them are good and not evil. To give you a hope, that's what expected end is, and a future. And then he said, You tell them this. You, say, you tell them that her dying in that accident was not my plan. But just moments after it happened, she was back on my plan. Now, that part wasn't my plan, but because heaven is my plan, she's back on it. How long was she off the plan? Right back on it. He's good. He's given us a hope and a future. Heaven's real. And we're not talking enough about it. I won't make you turn there. I know you know this verse. It's in the book of Acts chapter 2. Is this still an Acts chapter 2 group of people? <laughs> I had a friend of mine one time. He, he used to be here on staff in this church. He pastors a church now in another state. And uh, he called me one day and we were talking. He said, you still speak in tongues? I said, that's the dumbest thing you have ever asked. Do I still speak in tongues? do you still pray in tongues? He said, it's all, I said, it's nearly the only praying I do. Yes, you dumb, dumb. I still speak in tongues. He's like, well, a lot of people don't. And he's right. Are we still in Acts chapter two group of people? In Acts chapter two, is it verse two? And suddenly, you remember this one? And suddenly there came a sound, say it with me, from heaven. Where did this sound come from? Where did it originate? There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. This sound that originated somewhere else came here. So if you want to stay small and you're thinking about heaven and just look forward to it out there someday. And yeah, we're going there. That's fine. That's up to you. But I'm telling you, the more you and I talk about it right now, the more we hasten its arrival here and in greater degrees. And I'm not sure outside of the arrival of Jesus himself has heaven ever more invaded earth than on that day. There came a sound from heaven. I was thinking about some of these things, ministered along some of these lines a few months ago. And I was thinking about this verse. There came a sound from heaven. That word sound is the Greek word. I'm doing my best Rick Renner here. It's the Greek word uh, echoes, I think. And it's where we get the word echoes, I think. (laughs) I haven't consulted with him about that, but I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say that's where we get that word. (laughs) We'll talk more about that in a minute, but I was ministering along some of these lines thinking about the sound that came from heaven, thinking about anointed sounds. What makes a sound anointed You remember when David was called on to play in the presence of Saul when he was being tormented and he played anointed sounds. And what does the anointing do? It removes burdens and it destroys yokes. That's what that sound did in and for Saul, removed a burden and destroyed a yoke. But what makes a sound anointed? What makes a word anointed? It's not the way that it's delivered. It's not the eloquence in which it's delivered. It doesn't even have to rhyme to be anointed. What makes a word or a sound anointed is where it came from, where it originated.